There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hey, everyone. This is Gentry Estes coming to you from the Tennessean studios. I'm joined by uh, Eric Bacharach, Titans beat writer for the Tennessean. Mm-hmm. What's going on, Gentry? We are excited to uh, to have another game week. Uh, we are. It's, it's arriving quickly. Uh, Titans will be in Atlanta on uh, Sunday. And uh, Eric and I, I should probably tell you, I am the sports columnist at the Tennessee. And if you're wondering why, who this person is talking to you, <laughs> you know, we're going to talk some uh, talk some Titans, as the title of the uh, podcast would suggest. Yeah, and we have a lot to talk about, especially after uh, a complete and utter debacle last week in Jacksonville. Both Gentry and I were there. It was not pretty. There's no positive way to spin what we saw transpire on the field that night. You know, for as good as they looked in Week One against the Browns winning by 30 points it all kind of exploded these past couple weeks all the weaknesses in the Titans armor have kind of been exposed past couple of weeks starting you know I think the conversation Gentry has to start with the offensive line and just sort of how abysmal they've been playing Marcus Mariota has now been sacked 17 times which is an NFL high he's running for his life back there just with his injury history you would think that if it continues at this unbelievable rate uh, he's not going to hold up an entire season so you know that right now among many other problems offensively is is a really big point of emphasis for the Titans especially heading into this week against Atlanta tough just a tough game in Jacksonville all around it was it was a horrible game script the way it played out for the Titans and uh, to fall behind fourteen nothing right off the bat like that, you're you're having to get predictable offensively in the rain against a, a very good Jags defense. They they were they were tough to to deal with. It all added up to nine sacks uh, against Mariota and in an offense that, despite the numbers, I think he threw for three hundred something yards. Yeah, I, I went back and I think he was like seven for nine for eighty one yards on that final drive in, in pure garbage time. So those numbers, his final stat line is inflated for sure. Yeah, the, for the most part, it was it was pretty ugly. It was right. it was a rough performance and. Still don't know what to make of this team. I guess after three games, we've kind of seen the good, good, bad, and uh, and now now the ugly. But I think that for we're seeing the limitations of this this team, but especially this offense with with how that that game played out. Uh, the Titans seem to be a team that that want to they want to play from ahead. Mm-hmm. And they do better with that, where they establish the run with Derrick Henry, set up to, to set up the play action. They get behind and have to throw every time, and it it, it start it could look like what it looked like Thursday night. Yeah, and and I think this is a team that if they're playing from ahead, you know they've they've got a good shot when you've got a guy like Derrick Henry, you know, putting the ball in his hands. If you could do that twenty plus times in a game, I think you're in good shape. Just the problem has been they've fallen down early in in every single game this season. The first two games of the year the opponent the Browns in week one the Colts in week two scored a touchdown on the opening drive and you know it kind of looked like that that trend was changing in, in week three and then you had a Dory Jackson muff a punt that the Jaguars get set up right near the goal line in, in the red zone uh, and they promptly score a touchdown and I just you know I, I keep thinking of, of how different that game might have been had that 
not played out, you know, that opening sequence as it did with Adoree Jackson muffing that pun and sort of immediately the momentum of that game and just tone of that game shifting drastically and the Titans playing from behind as they do. And, and, you know, I think when they're in that position, all these weaknesses get exposed. You know, I I do think there's cautious reason for, for optimism beyond maybe this week when you've got, you know, the prospect of Taylor Lewan coming back, Nate Davis, may or may not play this week, week four against the Falcons. Mike Vrabel said earlier this week that he hopes that that's the case. You know, I I think it's very prudent to to temper expectations on that front with a rookie guard who is yet to play. But, you know, if you could get back, you know, you're starting Pro Bowl left tackle. If you could get back, you know, your third round right guard, I think you're in better shape. But, you know, as, as tight end Delaney Walker alluded to this week, one player, you know, coming back or, or, you know, improving isn't going to, you know, turn things around. Although I, you know, I kind of disagree with Delaney as far as the impact that Lawan has. I think that's massive. But, you know, I get his sentiment that this problem, the problems that the team has are deeply rooted and it's not just one player. It's it's really, you know, a, a mess top to bottom as far as the offense goes. Yeah, they need something. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if if one player is the answer on the offensive line, but it can't hurt at this point. Mm-hmm. They, they, do, they do seem to need something. And I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like we might be overreacting off one game that just played out poorly in poor conditions on a short week. You know, I, I, they they didn't play well, and it's not the first time you've seen a team not play well in a short week, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the road. But coming on the heels of of a, of a tough loss against the Colts, but a winnable game against the Colts, right? You wonder kind of where this team is at moving forward. What kind of sense, Eric, have you gotten being out around the team this week? They, they've had a few extra days. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a sense of panic, a sense of, are they, what's kind of been the reaction to, to being one and two? Yeah, you know, I think it's been interesting because, you know, before we, we even got into this week on Friday, the day after the week three game that the Titans played on Thursday Night Football, on Friday, you know, Mike Vrabel said, you know, the, the theme this week going into our week four game is going to be focusing on uh, accountability and, and fundamentals. And obviously it's it's not great when that's sort of your focus for any week in the NFL. That means that something along the way has gone wrong. But I think for the most part, players have embraced that. You know, I, I go back again to something that Delaney Walker said today on, on Wednesday. And he, he is quite the, the quote, he, Delaney yeah, Walker. He's right? a guy that you, you kind of have to, if, if he opens his mouth, you want to be there to listen. You know, he was kind of just saying about, and, and I think his point was more about the NFL as a league than, than more specifically anything going on in the Titans locker room. But, but just sort of, you know, that, that back when he first came in the league in 2006, a team starts one and two, there's going to be some some finger pointing. There's going to be a lot of frustration. There's going to, all of that's going to sort of manifest itself tangibly. And he said, it's, it's just, you know, it's gone away from that, which, you know, honestly, I think is sort of mimics the way, I guess, society has, has kind of evolved the past 15 years or, or however long it's been since Delaney first entered the league. And, you know, he, he said, he's not sure if it's a bad thing or a good thing. It just, it's, it's different now. And I, I think, you know, from the way he was talking about it, it, it's, I think he views it as, as probably a bad thing. Again, he, I think he was speaking more about the league as a whole and just the way things have shifted. But it, to me, it was interesting because, you know, the, the focus this week has been accountability and sort of just owning up to, to things that have gone wrong. And, you know, every time I've asked a player about that this week, they've said, yeah, you know, in, in whatever position group and in whatever position room, there's been responsibility, there's, there's been 
conversations about owning up to things. You know, I spoke with Dennis Kelly, left tackle about that um, today on Wednesday, and he, you know, he said as much. He said, you know, there has been a good sense of accountability in in you know the offensive lineman's uh, room, which you know you think we would think at the very least is needed after such a you know a, abysmal performance last week. But I don't know if there's you know a sense of panic so much as there is you know, a sense of urgency now, you know, Delaney said that this was uh, a must win. Although I I believe he also said that every week in the NFL is a must win. So he kind of went cliche with that, but Jarrell Casey can't kind of came out and said, this is a must win for us. We're one and two, you know, we really need this win and it's going to be a tough one in Atlanta. It's a must win for Atlanta too, with how things have gone for them. But looking at this last game in the last couple of weeks, obviously a lot of the criticism has, has been on Marcus Mariota and, right. and, you know, good, bad, fair, unfair. I, 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 I get the sense now with that team here in the next few weeks, next month and few months, that this is going to be a real theme to this season. The, the idea that we don't know what's going to happen with him, with his future, with the team and the organization. And, I'm curious from your perspective, his response when things go poorly. He seems he's a very even keeled, super even keeled. And, you know, I I don't think he, he's getting too high when things are good either. But what what's when when things are like this, do you think he's the kind of quarterback that's getting on his teammates in the locker room or is he just. The, just the way he is, very right. calm. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of hard to see him in that that role, and, and teammates are quick to say that's that's not the type of leader that he is. You know, sort of in your face, and and as you mentioned, he's as even keeled as it gets. You know, you're not going to get a whole lot either way, good or bad, as far as maybe just fiery emotion out of Marcus Mariota. You know, which can be good. And honestly, I you know I think when times are, are bad like this, I think. You know, you need some some finger pointing and and you know some 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 real accountability. And Mariota is is very quick, as as Delaney also mentioned on Wednesday, to sort of point the finger at himself. Uh, he'll never point the finger at anybody else. Even today, when asked about Corey Davis, you know, he said Corey's doing a good job of of getting open. I just have to get get him the ball more and and just get him better looks, and that's on me. Uh, and that you know, you could ask uh, Marcus about anybody who might be performing poorly and and he would have a similar response so you know that's just the way he is that's his approach i think at times like now where things are kind of turbulent and you know you need some accountability responsibility to go around it might be better to have a guy that you know is is fiery that gets fired up and you know that's just not part of the leader that marcus mariota is i i I tend to agree with that and i I think he maybe he is a good fit for that team Mm -hmm. that team is a very it's a very laid back vibe among that team. There really there there isn't you know the 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 really outspoken presence usually. You don't really see that with with the Titans and you know they kind of lack that the, the diva quality, I guess you would say that you right. see on some other teams. But one thing you also lack, I think with the Titans that you you might see on some other teams, at least on the offensive side of the ball is a superstar type and by that I mean the wide receiver position more than any other you know you mentioned Corey Davis and I'll I'll do respect to to Mariota's take there I I I don't think it's all on him Mm -hmm. and and I do think this offense badly needs a number one playmaker at that position and has for a while yeah and I think you know I think it's telling that you know so far this season AJ Brown has looked like the better 
option, the better weapon for, for Marcus Mariota. And, you know, I think our perception of, of Corey Davis is so, you know, so attached to the fact that he was taken number five overall, not not too many years ago, and, and rightfully so. I mean, there's a certain expectation when you draft a wide receiver number five overall, and that is to be a legitimate number one receiver in the NFL. You know, as as we go along, as, as the weeks go by, it just it's getting harder for me to, to say that, you know, he's got the potential to be a number one receiver. I think for sure, you know, he could be a very legitimate number two receiver. Uh, and, and maybe his ceiling still is number one, a low end number one receiver. But, you know, to this point, we just haven't seen it consistently. And again, I, I think our perception of him is, is so immensely shaped by the fact that he was such a, a high pick with such high expectations. And again, rightfully so, he just hasn't lived up to those. When you have an offense that has is not explosive and has to have a game fall a certain way it really it makes things difficult you have a much a very small margin for error and I think that's that's what this offense is dealing with right now I think when when things are going the way they want them to I think the Cleveland game was a great example of the Titans getting control of a game and being able to put it away defensively late Mm -hmm. uh, with turnovers once Cleveland fell behind and kind of had to throw Titans defense pretty good with the lead right and we we haven't spoken much about the defense because they that isn't really the issue they're 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 pretty good on that side of the ball so they that is a big advantage that you know maybe they're not going to be having to chase a lot of scores Mm -hmm. but the thing is Eric they have been the the defense as good as they've been has has allowed scores early in games several times now when things are getting when things are scripted those right. scripted drives early in games and uh that's a bad combination yeah I, I think that's the one the one knock on the defense and and you know i think pass rushes is, is still a, an ongoing thing with with this defense but yeah i mean just the fact that they've they've allowed themselves to fall into this early hole because after that honestly the defense through the first three weeks has, has done a good job to clamp down and i think it's a really strong unit i think the the ceiling for this is for for this defense is top five in the league for sure especially with the underrated secondary. group i think it's Very an underrated, underrated group. group you know i i think that's part of the frustration is just that you've got a really strong defense on special teams are pretty sound minus minus dory jackson returning punts which you know going forward it, it it really has to be adam humphreys and if that's the case i think you're pretty sound all the way around on special teams it, it just feels like you're squandering a top five defense a really good special teams unit with all the shortcomings of the, of the offense and to me it, it it keeps going back to the offensive line for for as shaky and as inaccurate and as inconsistent as Marcus Mariota has looked you know I think you could have put pretty much any quarterback in the league behind that offensive line on Thursday night against the Jaguars and they would have had a rough night I think there's blame to go all the way around on the offense but maybe uh, Lamar Jackson yeah because he could get away from it okay maybe. <laughs> But point being, point, point taken, right? The offensive line needs to get better. I, I, I think with, uh, I mean, clearly that aspect of it with the offensive line, uh, what has to happen? What do you? Th- how do you think they get better? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a loaded question, and uh, you know, I, I think they just for the moment have to survive. They have to survive this week four game against Atlanta because, I mean, getting Taylor Lewan back, uh, I don't care what Delaney Walker says, it, it drastically changes just. You know the the tone, the makeup, and and obviously the capability of, of what that line is able to do. You know Dennis Kelly had a had a decent game. Mike Rabel called it Kelly's best game of the season against the Jaguars. But I mean he's not a, a three time Pro Bowler. He he might be a starter on a on a different team, but on this team you've got to 
him in starting in place of a three-time Pro Bowler. So I think that's big. I think the right guard issue is significant just because you know, if if it wasn't going to be Nate Davis to start the season, you know, the rookie third round pick, it was going to be Kevin Pomphiel, who was sort of, you know, not the incumbent starter at the position, but a more experienced guy, a guy that you could probably lean on more than anyone else in the group. And lo and behold, he's got a knee injury to start the year. Jamil Douglas feel, has been filling in for him and looked okay the first couple of weeks and then just looked a, a, a train wreck uh, out there against Calais Campbell in, in week three. You know, if you can improve there, which Honestly, you could you could only improve there going forward uh, after the week that Douglas had. I think you're in good shape. I think you know Jack Conklin for as good as he's looked or he looked in training camp in the preseason, and we were all sort of encouraged about a potential bounce back from him. He just he hasn't looked anywhere near the All Pro level that he he was as a rookie. You know, so I think he's he's got a ways to go as far as getting better. You know, so it's it's not just one person; it's really the entire line. But I do think if Nate Davis is able to develop, and the Titans need him to in a hurry. And, of course, you get Taylor Lewan back uh, in a couple weeks. I think that does change things. Uh, I think uh, it's just a matter of surviving Atlanta and, and trying to sneak out a win there, which will be tough. I think my deal with the offensive line is when you play the way the Titans want to play, physical, run, play, action, you have to be good up front. You, you mm-hmm. can't be bad on the offensive line. It just doesn't work. That's how truly horrible seasons develop Mm -hmm. when you're just not able to do anything that you want to do by that token though I will say this if we're trying to find a positive offensively from the Jacksonville game hasn't been discussed much Adam Humphreys had a pretty good game and he hadn't done a thing in the first two weeks so so there's that if and and they need to they need that they Mm -hmm. need to get him going in fact they need to get all the receivers going Mm -hmm. and so maybe transition to Atlanta, maybe that's a uh, a positive sign. Eric, as, as we we go into this game, we 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 touched a little bit on on the Falcons. This is a team that's also one and two. Right, they've they've struggled to this point offensively. Despite, I mean, I would consider them arguably the most underachieving team in the NFL through three weeks. This fair. Falcons team was supposed to be good, right? And if you look at their roster and what they have at all kinds of all across the board at every spot they seem to be where they need to be they're good they, they have a lot of talent offensively they're very sound defensively in terms of just players hasn't played out that way a lot of that has to do with Matt Ryan he's he's not played to the level you would expect from him probably at this point in the season a lot of picks a lot of uh, some inconsistencies on their offense and, and I think there's some growing pains w- with what they're doing as well mm-hmm. Similar similar situations for these two teams this weekend. How, how do you how do you see it breaking down? Yeah, you know I think both teams kind of have their backs against the wall for for lack of a better phrase. But you know I think for the Titans it's going to be key to to sort of take advantage of of something you were just mentioning the fact that Matt Ryan has a NFL high six interceptions this season that the Titans secondary has done well to take advantage of, of mistakes by quarterbacks this year and in, in Logan's Ryan Logan Ryan's case who who has two interceptions. You know he's he's just done a good job of jumping roots and 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 kind of not necessarily taking advantage of mistakes, but creating opportunities um, himself. So I think that's going to be big. Matt Ryan has thrown for over 300 yards in each of the team's first three games. So there's going to be plenty of him, obviously, on Sunday. And and I think if the Titans can take advantage there, I think that'll be big. I think winning the turnover battle on the road will be big. So far, the Titans have done a good job of that. They didn't do a great job of that, obviously, in in Jacksonville, but there's still plus four in turnover margin for the season. 
So I think that's big. And again, you know, I just go back to don't fall behind early as far as being a really big key for this game if you're the Titans, just because that that puts you in a position where game plan, you know, instantly changes uh, as far as your approach. And, and it probably shouldn't, but just the way things have gone, you have to pass a little bit more. You have to take the ball out of Derrick Henry's hands a little a little bit more. And, and that's just a recipe for things going off the rails as they have the past couple games. So I believe my, my formal prediction was 21-20 Falcons. I think the Titans cover. I think it's a close game. This Honestly, this, if you, you know, watch the Titans the past couple of years, the recent history says that this is exactly the type of game that they'll come out and steal just because all the logic points to that not happening. And I'm sure, you know, if, if you look around, you know, from CBS to ESPN, all, all these analysts will probably like the Falcons in this one. And rightfully so, I think. But this is just the type of game that the Titans recently have been able to steal. So, that makes it fun, though. Right. It does. It, my, my, I've noticed this already just in my few weeks here with the Titans. Everyone says that. Most right. unpredictable team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you've seen it with games that they were expected to win and then they did in the last couple of weeks. Well, hey, this is the opposite. This is a game they're not going to be expected to win. Mm-hmm. So it stands to reason that, yeah, they're, they're going to go to Atlanta with those extra days and play pretty well. That said, I'm going to set you up with that and then say that I think the, the Falcons are going to win. <laughs> right. I, I, that, that has, to me, that's more to do with Atlanta than it does Tennessee. I, I, think the, I just think the Falcons are good. I think they're a good team, and they're going to find themselves at some point, and this could be that week, where they put things together offensively early in a game. And as we've seen, if the Titans have that happen, it, it, it could be trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think it's a bad week to be going to Atlanta and having to play this game. But a case could be made, Eric. I, I think, as you said, this I is... thought about it, and then I was like, for all the reasons that you just mentioned, Atlanta to me is just—it's a dangerous team. It's a team that, you know, is pretty desperate right now. You know, I don't think any team looks at, at the Falcons on their schedule and, and you know pencils in a, a W or, or thinks of them, you know, as as a pushover, so to speak. So I think it's going to be really tough. I do think the Titans, you know, will keep it close. Because I think they have to. I think this is a game that, you know, as Gerald Casey said, is is a must win, you know, to avoid starting one and three. So I think it'll be close. I do have the Falcons edging out, edging out the Titans by a point in this one. All right. Well, everyone, that does it for this edition of Talking Titans. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Drop us a review and a rating while you're at it, please. And for Eric Bacharach, I'm Gentry Estes. See you next time. Talkin' Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talkin' Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talkin' Titans is a production of the Tennessean.